dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Electric word, life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you, there's something else. Pirates, vandals of Volcano Mountain, whatever it is, I will take them down. Because I am in a mood. I need to get something done, you know what I mean? Stone Groove, my man. You are the most righteous. Yeah, right. Just get the fuck out, man. Let's go. Shit. Come on. Let's get ready, ready. Let's get ready, ready. Let's get ready to rumble. This is PJ and Duncan. Welcome to <laughs> another, another. My eyes, man. My eyes. Could be another episode of Biker Grove. It could be another episode of SMTV, which means we are sorely missing Cat Dealey. Or. It could be another episode of the Dadless Soul Extra Time Session, which is essentially 60 minutes of fathered funk and foolishness. Jim, 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 out of all of those wonderful things, which one actually is it today? Uh, it, it saddens me to say that it's not Biker Grove or SMTV, both of which are great. I mean, I, I enjoy this podcast as well, but um, yeah. to be able to transport back in time and be in Biker Grove, I think I probably would do. Who would you be? Uh, Spuggy Man. Oh, where is Spuggy Man? You're not ginger enough to be Spuggy. I, uh, I, I've got a bit of Spuggy about me and a bit of Jeff. Yeah, yeah there's some <laughs> Jeff mutton chops going on. <laughs> Go on, you have to pick somebody else. Who okay, pick? well, I, I mean, the obvious ones would be PJ or Duncan. Um, oh, God, who was the one? I think Spuggy's brother, I quite liked. We could, you could be Spuggy and I could be your brother. Um, and That's uh, a weird... I, my brain just tipped off really... Darkly. Did you know? I've only read about this. I've not seen it. But apparently, the last episode of Biker Grove, mm. the characters sort of became self-aware that they were in a TV show. That's how they decided to finish it. You've just made this up. I read an article about it, and I was like, I'm going to find that on YouTube, and then I just never bothered. But <laughs> now, maybe I will do today. But apparently, yeah, at the end of Biker Grove, they decided to to finish it off by making the characters believe that they were in a uh, TV show called Biker Grove. That's nuts. And please use this as a public service announcement. If there are any Jim, any of Jim's clients waiting with some hard deadlines, they're going to be delayed because <laughs> he's gone down some weird 90s TV YouTube black hole and he won't be seen for the foreseeable. Hey, but it'll be worth it in the end. I'll regale you with the stories of Biker Grove's ending. And I'd be really disappointed if it turns out that's an internet lie. Every episode, this is a call. You listen to the other episodes. Every episode, Jim comes up and it's like a school day of really useless information pop trivia. It's all washing around in my head and it just needs an escape route. And that is why maybe it's best this isn't Bikey Grove or SMTV. Maybe it's best that this is the platform that we have and this is the platform through which I can filter my brain. Lovely. Live on air. Unfortunately for you, yeah. <laughs> So there is essentially no filter. Anyway, this is the Dadless Old Extra Time Show. This is 60 Minutes of Fatherhood, Funk and Foolishness. Irrelevant chat ideas for the pub, the WhatsApp group, the school one. Anywhere you need to be seen to be as cool as the funds. That's another reference for the kids, isn't it? Cool as the funds. Eee. <laughs> that would make me Richie. And then if you... Or... Ralph, I look a little bit like Ralph. I was told that really disappointed me. Uh, I can, 
I see where someone's careful. coming from, but I think, be, I think they're being unkind. Yeah. I think that, you know, I think you're much cooler than, than Ralph. Can I be chatchy? Yeah, if you want, it's up to you. you Again, if it. anybody that's been born after 1990, <laughs> switch off now. Uh, so I am one of the hosts. I am Dan Flanagan, the Tyler Durden of Dadler Soul. I am joined, as always, by the... I was going to say the Suella Braverman of Dadler's Soul. <laughs> Controversial. Because I just speak without filtering what I'm going to say. You are massively full of hate. Yeah, and just basically what I try to do is that trick, which I really can't stand, where when someone knows they're lying, but what they do is they get in first with the lie and then they go, other people are going to say this isn't true. And then people believe them. People go, oh, she said you'd say that. Yeah, because she was bullshitting. She, she's a wrong and she basically, I think she's making a rallying call for the same people that would have beaten her parents and her husband up in a dark alley 20 years ago. It seems bizarre that she is so incredibly, almost kind of purposefully trying to say things that are as incendiary as possible. It just seems... It seems wrong for anyone to do that, but for the Home Secretary, I think that's probably a little bit above and beyond the remit of that job. There, there is, there's a lot of counselling that needs to be done. I would say she needs a hug, but that's me being kind. I actually suggest something else, more direct action. But anyway, moving away, this is not about politics. This is not question time, or should it be question time? It should be, you know, I can't stand, I can't stand it. I can't stand question time. Can you not? Oh, you'd be great on question time. I have uh, I have quite strong opinions, but I hate arguments. I really yeah. do. You're conflict-averse, as we realise. Absolutely conflict-averse. Um, I can't stand listening to people with rapidly opposite views to me, but even worse is kind of the people who agree with me that I think aren't putting their point across in a good way. <laughs> and I'm watching them going, oh, no, you're making us look stupid. Come on. Have some more conviction. Because I'm, a, you know, a woolly liberal. And yeah. many of us have that problem expressing ourselves sometimes. And you can yep. say things in a way that makes you feel like you're doubting yourself. Whereas you've got your Farages and your Bravermans on the other side who will happily go, we should burn puppies. And <laughs> like, <laughs> almost as if no one... Did they actually say that? If you Well, okay, if the lawyers are listening, neither of them as far as I know, have said that. Or at least I can't prove it. In public. Yes. I've checked the WhatsApp groups after uh, Partygate, so there's a whole <laughs> kind of different stuff going on. Anyway, tell us, Jim, what have you been doing? What's what's going on in sunny Ilkley? And it is very sunny in Ilkley, isn't it? As we've just discovered. Yeah, uh, I've got no curtains on the office window and the sun's shining right in my eyes. So that's great. Do you know what you've just reminded me of, right? Sorry to rudely interrupt. No, that's fine. But do you remember that scene in Do the Right Thing where there's, uh, I think, Samuel L. Jackson, he plays a DJ that's just on the street in uh, Brooklyn. He, he has a window and he just overlooks the world. Right. So essentially you are Ilkley Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Commentating on what's going on. In front of you. That's, I've just seen you in a different light. Oh, it's also like that scene in La Haine, which is a yeah. film where the, the DJ and then suddenly it sort of flies out of the window across the, the sort of projects of Paris as well. So, in the middle of racial conflict, is that again, that's probably what goes on in the streets of mean streets of Ilkley, isn't it? If I mean, if there was ever anyone of a different ethnicity that came. <laughs> 
my, my brother was talking the other day about the uh, ethnic mix of his uh, children's school in yeah. the Greater Manchester. Uh, and, uh, and he was like, yeah, I guess kind of 50% white British, 25% from here and that. And I was thinking, at my kid's school in this little village in rural Yorkshire, it's um, pretty much 75% white British and 25% white British, but they've got a holiday home on the continent. That's pretty much <laughs> what it's like. Was that like it in your schools that you went to as a child? Because um, Yorkshire's quite a diverse area. Yeah, so when I went, I went to school for a bit in Doncaster, and that was a bit that was different. That was more sort of uh, more diverse. But yeah, that, that's the thing is that you've got. I mean, Ilkley, where I live, or I live in a village near Ilkley, yeah. is is very kind of on its own. It is there's a small amount of diversity, but not yeah. very much at all. Just Ashley. But then you, you know, you're just outside of Bradford, which is sort of famed for its, yeah. its you know, very large kind of Asian uh, population. Yeah. And because back in the day there were the um, woolen mills and a lot of people came over to, to work in the woolen mills, made it the wool capital of the world. Wow. You mm. knitted that together very well. Thank you very much. That was good. I see what you've done there. You also missed my diversity joke. Oh, no, sorry. Which was that? And I said, he said, it hasn't got much diversity. And I said, what, just Ashley? Oh, sorry. That was worth more. I was, yeah. Ashley and his brother, like... The one with the hair. The one with the hair, the one without the hair, the one with the exceptional hair, and that's it. They're still on tour now, so I think the cute one's actually in about 35. (laughs) Well, the older ones surely are going to be like our age, right? (laughs) They're not going to be able to do that dancing for much longer, surely. (laughs) They're going to hurt. Even if they were fit, you know, which they were back in the day, but, you know. Do you reckon as they go, you know, they're constantly going to go on tour and it'll be like the four tops, there'll be one founding member and the rest have just been replaced? <laughs> this sounds it's funny you say that, actually, because um, my wife has a section in a vintage shop in Harrogate and the other day these lads came in and they were looking around and they were taking, like, Instagram photos in, the, in this vintage shop because it's pretty cool inside there. Mm. And she got talking to them and they were in the drifters and they were, well, they'd been performing up north somewhere and then they're on their way to Grimsby, apparently, which, I mean, (laughs) unlucky the drifters. Um, (laughs) But obviously both of them were like in their 20s or something. (laughs) And like the drifters is one of those bands where someone owns the name and then there's just like a revolving door of people coming in and out. Mind you, if they're they're entertaining people, you know, you know what you're going to get. Good luck to it. No criticism yeah. from me. Exactly. They probably weren't paid very well, the original drifters. You know, the the music industry in the, the 50s and 60s was, you know, exceptionally ropey and criminal-filled. So, that you know, the, owning their masters or the recording rights and stuff, uh, a lot of people got done over. So I think hopefully if the right people can earn off the money going forward, in you know, as a legacy, good luck to them. Then go for it. So what have you been up to, Jim? Come on. Uh, we are currently in advanced stages of preparations for my daughter's 10th birthday sleepover this weekend. Well, we, we touched upon that briefly last episode, so make sure you've, you know, you're not missing out on the good stuff. Advanced preparations. How many 10-year-old girls are going to be descending? There will be seven. Seven. What time do they arrive? What time do they leave? Have you sorted this out? They arrive at four... Uh, f- Four o'clock on Saturday. 
Yep. Uh, although one of them's coming late because she's in the Peak District at a brownie camp, which I think <laughs> is not the ideal preparation for a sleepover. <laughs> She'll be prepared. <laughs> hey, I see what you've done there. <laughs> Didn't miss that one. Um she'll be shattered yeah so hopefully she'll enjoy it as well um there's gonna be there's a selection of party games which yep. have been selected which uh, you know that's good that's gonna take some time have on. you nipped down a cash and carry to get a load of cheap cider or something <laughs> <laughs> we were thinking about like the like we were like what else do we need we've got yeah. crisps we've got pot strongbow yeah we need strongbow. yeah and then they can go and sit in the park at uh, midnight <laughs> We've got a projector to project a film on the wall. We've yeah. turfed out her brother. He's going to his friends for the night because we need his room. <laughs> because <laughs> we love you, but you're not the first one. He's having that. Uh, she's having teepees. So okay, wow. Uh, but we've only got only Seth's room is big enough to put all seven of them in. Yeah, um, because our our room's big enough, but it's not tall enough because it's got like it's in the uh, attic. So yeah. it's got the sloping roof. Um, so yeah, so my job Friday night is going to be taking down his bed <laughs> and taking it and storing it somewhere, not sure where just yet, and taking out all of his drawers and things like that. I've got to say, I you massively win dad points for going to all of that effort. I I, I applaud you and Jill for that because that's pretty hardcore commitment, if I'm honest. I guess you're only 10 once, right? For her 11th birthday, she can go to the cinema. Yeah. What did you do for your 10th? Ooh, let me think. What did I do for my 10th birthday? I don't really remember, to be perfectly honest. I, don't, I think probably just a party at my mum and dad's house. With... Did they dismantle furniture 24 hours beforehand? Not as far as I can remember. But um, to be fair, I probably never asked for it. I don't think I, I knew you could get TPs delivered back in the day. <laughs> it's a whole different world. Somebody's actually made a job of that, a company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. annoy parents by bringing in TPs. So yeah. rather than, like, here's a spare duvet, bring your own sleeping bag. We can fit you between the fridge and the kettle. You know, there's a spot for you. Make the most out of it, kids. Someone can sleep in the bath like a house party. <laughs> yeah. What about the films? Have you agreed on the films? We've agreed on the films. We're gonna. It's gonna be Descendants Two, which okay. is um, sounds like a horror film, doesn't it? It's yeah. not. Um, it's on the Disney Channel. It's uh, Maleficent. I think it's like a Maleficent sort of spin-off thing. Okay. Like when she was back young, and I don't think evil. I'm not sure. I've not really watched it to be honest, but. <laughs> Um, th- you won't also... be watching it on Saturday, will you? No, I'm not going to be watching it on Saturday. It's going to be projected onto the wall while me and Jill are downstairs cowering, yep. probably. <laughs> what time do they disappear in the morning? 10 o'clock. And then we've got some, because Sunday's our actual birthday, and then we've got loads of like birthday things planned, um, which she's probably going to be far too tired for. But that's that's by the by. We'll see. Uh, well, I, I am suitably impressed. And I think you've just got a new job as a party organiser. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine doing that more than twice a year. <laughs> and realistically, what I'm hoping is that Seth just wants to have a football party again and I can ring up the football party people who did it last time, who were brilliant, and just go, can you sort it out? And they'll go, yes, no problem. Lovely. Anything else on the horizon? Because that's quite big. No, I mean, I think that, to be fair, 
that's all we're going to be doing. <laughs> that's, that's the big project of the week. I can't yeah. see beyond that, if I'm being perfectly honest. How about you? What's going on in Dan World? Dan World. Dan, Dan, I've got parents' evening tonight. Mm. So it's a drop-in as opposed to an official parents' evening. Um, so this also leads on to the, the – we have a regular section which we struggles and celebrating. I want to have a quiet word with the form tutor because there's an arsehole kid in my son's class that a few weeks ago nicked his bag and they, they lost his trainers, which were brand new. And I nothing got done about it. And I was furious. And I'm like, right, you won't tell me who the kid is, but I'm going to find out and I'm going to invoice the parents mm-hmm. because we worked really hard for these things. Fortunately, you know, it was uncovered. He did get his pet, he did get his trainers back all done and dusted. But now, you know, he he's entered high school. The the I'd hate to say bullying or the, the joshing or the pranks that they've taken a real step up. So mm. I, I don't know how to react to that as a parent. Right. Well. What what to let lie. Because he's got to have the emotional resilience to be able to deal with stuff himself. But I'm not going to build a child that's a walkover. Yeah. And, you know, we have this sort of line said, well, you know, if you are ever being picked on, you have my absolute backing to be able to retaliate and you will not be in trouble. You know, if I find out you're bullying anybody, that would be a very different story. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's a bit of a minefield, I, I suppose. It is a shame have to do that, isn't it? But I guess it, you know, I suppose it doesn't happen. It doesn't stop at some points. You know, there are always people like that around. But yeah, yeah it's such a, it's such a shame that this has to be such a, a way of navigating through secondary school. Is you know, having coping mechanisms for when other kids are massively unkind. Yes, they're being dicks. I think is the clinical term. Yeah, I was trying to be polite. Um, yeah, no, I don't. But there is, you know, hopefully, I, you know instill that you can get out of it with a few sharp words or a bit of humor or something but there are you know as part of life you're gonna have to deal with very different people and some very uncomfortable situations now as we've already illustrated you and i are pretty much conflict averse mm-hmm. uh, and that's probably to our detriment yeah we're not the the people who will then you know like some people maybe I've mentioned previously, I'm not going to mention them again because yeah. I don't want to get sued, but yeah. who will happily, uh, yeah, who will happily be strident in their views and put things forward and will not shy away from that. And they trade off other people not wanting to retaliate or not wanting to stand up to them. Yeah. Their way of getting through these things, their way of winning it's just by if you have that utmost confidence, or at least if you show, if you pretend you have that much, that utmost confidence, then most people will eventually just go, all right, okay, no, fine, you go for it. Yeah, so parents' evening, going to be channeling my inner Suella Breverman. <laughs> this is what I've taken from this conversation. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be going in that uh, Dalmatian coat. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, that rhymes, but... But it's fitting also. It is. Um, so, yeah, I'm doing that. I'm finding uh, the changing weather and the darker nights difficult to get out and actually get exercise. I've resorted to having a lot of work late nights, which I shouldn't be doing, but it's kind of much easier than going to the gym. 
Mm. And I got, then I tell myself, I can't go to the gym because I've got so much work on. And I know yeah. actually what I should do is just stop work and go and get some exercise. But it's cold and it's dark. So I'm feeling a bit, bit rubbish because I know all the reasons why I should go. There's mm. just the accountability I continuously struggle with. Yeah, and and that's the problem, isn't it? Because, you know, you do feel so good when you do it. When you go and do it, whatever sort of exercise you do, there's always a little, a little buzz somewhere. And and when you start to lose that, when you don't go very often, you do lose that and you feel bad. But then that sort of becomes that spiral, doesn't it? Going, oh, I feel a bit rubbish. I'm just going to stay in. Then Ooh. I feel a bit more rubbish. I'm going to eat a, two bars of fruit and nut. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel even worse. Oh, I'm going to stay in. And I can't be bothered to do it. And you do, you get off that. It's very easy to lose that routine. And uh, it's a shame because it does, it's, it's quite life-affirming to be able to do a bit of regular exercise and get those endorphins pumping. I've got some, yeah, tomorrow night, um, where I'm going to be doing a beach sauna and a sea swim Friday night um, with some lads. But that's, that's different because I've got accountability mm. because I'm turning up other people. It's being motivated enough for myself right that i can always give myself a get out of jail free card um and i know i, you know, I talk to really motivation people i've got mentors i've got coaches but i that's still a mountain that i've yet to conquer yeah just being able to go i'm going to make a conscious decision to do this for myself no one else it, no one else is in this uh decision making bubble yeah. which is interesting because everything else you do in life tends to be, you know, whether it's with your other half or with your kids or yeah. with your, you know, in an employment situation, it's very rare that you make a decision just on your own for your own benefit. So this is, it is sort of stepping outside your comfort zone, isn't it? A little bit, or it just, it, it makes it easy to go, there's no committee here. So I have to take an executive decision. I'm going to sit on my bum and eat cake. <laughs> Which is not a bad thing in in you know in sections, but yes. not when that's it, they, they continue. So yeah, that's kind of what I've been up to. We've been doing because it's Men's Mental Health Month or International Men's Mental Health Week month. Um, been approached to do lots of talks, which is really interesting. It's also got a little bit of a a bug about it because we were a few weeks ago, sort of inundated with requests to give talks and but no budget. No. Right? So they're expecting us to not just talk for an hour, but you've got to, you know, create a presentation. You've got to research the subject and then give up quite a lot of your time. But what's it for? And I turned down a few of them because it just stunk a tokenism. You know, you get those official days, like it could be Black History Month or whatever, and people just companies especially just pull people out that are slightly relevant to say look this is what we're doing aren't we good yes we're on this really yeah i want to you know if you're not going to pay us at least give us some sort of tangible outcomes so got some yeah very exciting ones so the the good ones are i'm up at the shard in london on monday morning for a panel um I've got a talk in Parliament on, I think, Tuesday, and then the House of Lords, as I mentioned last month. That's coming up. So they'll be useful ones, and also I can get something from it because I haven't really been in those sort of spaces before. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? that 
you, there does need to be something that you get from it because mm. otherwise you're just doing all their work for them for nothing. Exactly. Like, it's like in the kitchen fitted, bring your plumber around. You just but, show us how to do stuff, mate. We're not going to pay you, but it's good exposure for you. But generally people don't get that it's a terrible thing to do. Like, it's not quite the same, but I... Um, well, I, I do. I make like videos and content about Yorkshire and what it's like to have kids in Yorkshire. And I got an email the other day from, uh, oh, I'll mention, I was going to not mention the name, but I might as well. Yeah. Escape to the Country is the name of the show. And yeah. they said, well, we've got this couple and they're in Manchester at the moment. They want to come back to Yorkshire. They're from Yorkshire originally. They've got a young child and they're just looking for some places where they can go which are great for raising a family so would you come and have a little chat with them on camera and give them some advice and tell them what it's like to to raise a family in yorkshire and i was like yeah yeah cool what's the budget and they went oh no there's there's no budget no I was like mm, really and they'd sent through the contract that they wanted me to sign yeah. and on it i noticed the first line it said your payment for this will be one pence <laughs> and evidently They've been told that they have to pay contributors. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. technically, by offering one pence, they're paying contributors. That's what I've kind of worked out. But they didn't. And I was like, but you're making a TV show to sell, to make money. Yeah, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds of budget. Yeah, the presenter's getting paid. Yeah. The, the camera people are getting paid. The sound people are getting paid. Yeah. Why do you think it's okay to ask me to take an afternoon off my work yeah. to come to you to give my expertise and advice for one pence. <laughs> Why do you think that's okay? What did they come back with? What was the answer? Uh, oh, I understand it might be difficult, and I'd understand if you didn't want to do it. I was like, well, no, I don't. I think it's not yeah. okay. And I did. I, I, I spelt out how, how I thought it really wasn't okay and not a great way to run a business, which is what they are running. Yeah, they're a production, production company. company. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I didn't really hear anything else from it after that, which is a shame because I would have loved to have done it, but principle-wise, I was going to get very little out of that. Yeah. Um, maybe um, a little bit of exposure, but my my experience of having been on the BBC before is that they try and minimise that as well, obviously. so Yeah, they can't put any, you know, you can't walk in there with a branded sweatshirt. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that, this is not the only sort of foray into the world of TV that your family have had recently either, is it? As uh, you mentioned before we came off camera, with the props... Yes. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. So my wife sells vintage uh, and vintage sellers across the north have been watching the Long Shadow, the uh, Yorkshire Ripper um, dramatization, which is exceptionally good, by the way, uh, intently because it either features props that were bought from them or features props that they were allowed to then go and buy back from the production afterwards. Yeah. So you've been watching it, very tense moment, and then suddenly uh, Jill will go, oh, look, that's the antelopes that I bought. <laughs> <laughs> Which is quite a random thing, isn't it? That's the antelopes that I bought. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Not, the, not the, the tea set, not the flying ducks on the wall like Vera Duckworth used to have. That's the antelopes. Although I bet they would have gone for the flying ducks if there were any available. It was very much of that time, absolutely. But, yeah, the beautiful, like, you know, we know people who supplied clothes to them, and yeah. it's just, um, yeah, it's it's, it's strange watching it. It's, it's strange watching it because around here was sort of where he was operating, so it's kind of a bit odd. There's a lot of people still with big memories of that time about how petrifying it was for that number yeah. of years where he was... You know, he, he was 
not caught or he was, you know, the investigation was wildly um, flawed. Flawed, <laughs> yeah. Um, but also it was, it was really well made, like an absolutely brilliant production. And, uh, yeah, there is a house in our village that features, but it's not meant to be in our village. It's meant to be someone else. But that was exciting, seeing that. You know, when you yeah. see, like, kind of places you've been on the actual telly. It's, it's, I always find it a little bit difficult with those sort of crime-related ones because there will be people with that actively, you know, were involved with it. Not just the police, but the, 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 the children of the victims. And they've mm. been living with that stigma and that... Um, you know, uh, the memories of that, their entire life. And yet it's, it's continuously brought up in the guise of, well, it's, it's, it's entertainment because we all like to have this view of the dark side of things from the comfort of our safe homes. But, yeah, I just think some of those, the, the, the women, you know, had children. Those children probably got children. Yeah, is that how you want to have your the story of your grandma portrayed? You know, where do we? Yeah, I don't know if it sits comfortably with me. It's kind of it's like your private life is not yours to control anymore, is it? That's it's no. someone else is able to tell. Like no one's going to tell a story just randomly one week of of my grandma as lovely as she was. You know, yeah. she, I'm not because suddenly you have to uh, see her painted in like and. and the, you know, to be fair to it, it did not. It didn't paint the victims in the, a bad light, but it's still, yeah. as you say, it's that story, that tragic story, of, of the injustice that was served to them for a long time. Um, and it's the women, isn't it? Because you know, to use another Braverman, the situation those women were in it wasn't a lifestyle choice. No, exactly, exactly, and yeah. So it's there's a, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, and yeah. I would imagine. That might be the last. That's got to be the last one that they do about it. I'm sure because, yeah, I just think it's it's contentious, especially when they're filming around this area as well, when memories are still quite fresh. Really, yeah. Should we lighten things up a bit? Yeah, we've, we could. We've gone from politics to serial killers <laughs> to children's birthday party, and we're still only twenty minutes in. Oh God, There's some good uh, good moving around the subjects there. Yeah, <laughs> you can see our production values are really tight on the script, can't you? So let's have another five minute of funk from our regular in-house collaborators, the one who get together boys, uh, DJ Trick, and the incredibly now slimmer Cy Cannon, um, and five minutes of funk. Word, word to the mother, I'll tell the truth, so bear my witness. 
Fly like birds of a feather, dress like pleather. You don't wanna wear it. No need to ask that question. Just don't mention. You know what the answer is? No, I never fancy Nancy, but the statement she made held a plate of weight. I even stressed it to weight. Did he take any heat? Now the boy was hooked. You could phrase the word bass, and the kid just shook. In his fashion class, once a now and now, the rock blues are now the only designs left. Were once clothes made for Oshkosh, has converted to nothing but stone wash. Now hopping in a barrel is a barrel of fun, but don't hop in if you wanna be down. Some took out the mean. Got an honor and action. What does it lead to? Down is that I'm down. People say, what have I done for all my years? My tears show my heart and work. I heard shoving is worse than pushing, but I'd rather know a shovel than a pusher because a pusher's a joke.
so that was the wonderful get together boys um now random change of subject jim okay mm-hmm. because we here we need to discuss and debate the hot topics of the day because i know you said you don't like question time but i think there are some subjects that we cannot shy away from okay fiona really? bruce and Bruce Wayne, Bruce <laughs> Foxton, loads of people called Bruce, so he's quite cool. Um, no, what's wrong with kids' TV? And the reason I ask this is because we have the we have our lots of events and we have had a very active online community, and random conversations just pop up. So the boys within the dadless old community have been debating this subject. So where is the stories within children's TV? that are so far off the mark. So I think prime example was, uh, we're looking at Thomas and Friends. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's incredibly frustrating to watch. Uh, it completely ignores the fact that Thomas, if he was actually to work on tracks in various parts of the world, he would require major refitting, depending on the uh, the country's track gauge. Exactly. And they're not for that. Makers of that program haven't even considered that, and they should feel shame. Doesn't it, it? It takes something from the authenticity. Yeah, exactly. You know, because they've got talking trains, which we all know exists. Yes. So absolutely. when I'm thinking about authenticity, is there anything else that springs to mind where it just it's just a bit too wrong, and we need to write that wrong? Well, I don't know if your son was of an age where he would watch the Go Jetters. Um, I think I neatly sidestepped that, but right. please elaborate. The the Go Jetters are a team of um, trainee do-gooders, let's say, for yeah. want of a, a better word. They've been trained by a funky unicorn um, called Ubercorn, and they fly around the world to various landmarks. And every time they get to a landmark, Grandmaster Glitch has got there slightly before them and is causing trouble. Now, Grandmaster Glitch, is he a well-known hip-hop DJ? Yes. It's, not, it's a great name. He might as well be. But he he's there, he's trying to, uh, to mess around with these landmarks and these famous things around the world for his own benefit. He does some terrible things. Can't quite work out what he earns from messing around with the Rio de Janeiro carnival or some kind of <laughs> viaduct or something, but he does. But yeah. I find it highly suspicious that their schedules are pretty much the same. Almost as if Ubercorn yeah. is somehow engineering this, telling Grandmaster where to go. Yeah. yeah. Telling Grandmaster Glitch where to go so he can take them in there and swoop in and look like he's saving the day. Like in, you know, one of those um, ridiculous romantic comedies where someone tries to engineer a situation where they save someone's life to impress another person. I yeah. think that's what Ubercorn's doing because it just is suspicious. You don't see an episode of Go Jetters where the Go Jetters turn up and everything's fine. They just have a lovely time in Spain. Um, Was there an episode where they approached HR? because they've been trainees for quite a while and there needs to be some sort of career development as well. Otherwise, probably very poorly paid. Yes, I wonder if they're just on apprenticeship wages and they're actually... I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tale of intrigue and modern slavery and that is something we really should look into. There's no, no place for it on the, the BBC, is what I could say. <laughs> oh, very dare they. Um, 
my biggest beef, going back to when my son was off, was with Postman Pat. Okay. And the fact that um, the amount of resource that he used to waste, he would just fly in a helicopter to go and rescue a parcel. I know, which, you know, I mean, he evidently didn't work for my Hermes, did he? (laughs) (laughs) They would fly in a helicopter to destroy a parcel if they could. A perfectly good parcel that was on its way to someone's house. Yeah, those poor delivery drivers now have to, you know, rack out 400 parcels per day. But he would focus an entire week on one parcel (laughs) and bring in the, you know, the Ark Royal. Yeah. Do you think that's behind the downfall of the Royal Mail? Is that they just were wasting resources in such that manner? And yeah, you know, you you UPSs and whatever can just bang out all of the parcels very quickly. And uh, Royal Mail are employing people like Pat, who's you know <laughs> messing around with his cat. Yeah. So that's probably at the downfall of Royal Mail. Purely, purely on the feet of that fellow in the village. Awful, absolutely awful. Yeah. Um, of course, there is Fireman Sam uh, and why Norman hasn't been put oh. in jail or Borstal or whatever. I was, that was ringing me. That he, yeah. What, what's his surname? Norman. Norman. Oh, gosh, this is really annoying because two old men can't remember something. I'm going to Google it. Because no. that's what we do nowadays. Because I, I, I actually wrote a rap about Norman. Norman Price, he's not Norman really Price. Nice. He only likes spaghetti, he doesn't like rice. That was... <laughs> you wrote a rap about Norman Price from Fireman Sam? Yeah. We used to have, um, on the school drop-off, We, myself and my son, we used to have little rap battles. So we'd pick up, um, I put a random word or a random subject... And we do rhyming association games. So yeah, that was my Norman Price diss. That is one of the most wholesome father-son things I have ever ever heard. <laughs> I love it. It was entertaining. So it's like you stink, you stink, but you drink from a sink. Um, and then you know, we constantly have these little battles. When he was cute and he liked me. Oh uh, yeah. Um, I've got one last beef that I need to share. Go on then. Daniel LaRusso's mum. Okay. Right, in The Karate Kid. Mm-hmm. She uprooted him, right, took him to a, a new town where he didn't have any friends. He was mercilessly bullied. She was constantly at work. And she did not raise an eyelid when he became friends with the spooky bloke that lives just down the stairs. <laughs> right, where I mean, are the social services? This is the 1980s. Things were very different. Struggling single mum, palms off child on the weird bloke that lives in the basement. Right. That's just wrong on so many levels, isn't it? Oh, what have you been doing? I've just been getting hot and sweaty while he's been asking me to do chores. Oh, that's perfectly fine. Yay. I mean, we've all got to that stage of the summer holidays where we will do anything for a bit of childcare. But, I mean, you're right. That was probably a step too far. Struggling and celebrating. This is a regular feature that we do where... I probe Jim, not in the medical sense. <laughs> oh, I wish this was on camera, because when I said probe, he sniggered like a child. <laughs> who else wouldn't? Show me a thousand <laughs> men and I will show you a thousand men who'd snigger at the word probe. <laughs> I'm going to indulge your fantasy. So tell us, Jim, what are you struggling with and what are you celebrating? 
Um, I am. It's, they're both connected, actually. Uh, and oh. celebrating the start of the Christmas adverts. That's what I'm struggling with. How dare yeah. you? Now, well, you see, this is the thing. At first, I thought I was going to struggle with them. But actually, I'm thinking about it. And Christmas, every year, I get it wrong. And this year, I want to get it right. So, like, in previous years when I've been employed or whatever, I've worked right up until Christmas Eve and then taken the week after off. That is not the fun part of Christmas. That's the worst bit of Christmas. Yeah. It's the bit after Christmas. What you should do is enjoy the build-up more and then do whatever you like afterwards when there's nothing else to do. Do some more work then. So that is why I'm celebrating. The Christmas adverts came on, and at first I was like, oh, Christmas, it's only the start of November. And then I thought, actually, no, let's embrace this because the excitement building up to Christmas is where it's all at. And I, I need to remember that it's no good just taking time off between Christmas and New Year because that is dull. I understand the taking time off work a bit beforehand, but I do struggle with the fact that you basically have Halloween, have fireworks nights, and the lights go up, right? That I get miserable, and I do. <laughs> what a waste of money. And the fact that the you know, you'll see it in the supermarkets, and then, yeah, the adverts on TV, and it's like, for fuck's sake... There's also the the issue with uh, pester power. So your kids are seeing all this stuff and then they're nagging you and then you've got to think, mm, we can't really afford that. That used to obviously still happen when we, we were kids, but you'd have that couple of weeks before Christmas, not a, a solid free month. You wouldn't be circling the items in the Argos catalogue around about now then, back when you were young. I probably would have had it on my birthday. Which right. is in the summer holidays. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wasn't it? Yeah. And the Argos catalogue and getting all the, even like popping into boots and woolies and stuff like that, carefully cutting out the uh, the pages of stuff you want and just accidentally leaving them where your <laughs> mum sits down in the sofa. Oh, how did that happen to get there? It's a big track. Oh, I would love one. Have you seen what Action Man's up to these these days? I, you know, I would <laughs> had I had the forethought, I would have created some sort of PowerPoint presentation. Should have done. These are the features of an army camp. Do you know anyone who actually had a big track? Because they were always no. on the adverts. They were always that desirable um, present. But I don't know. I don't didn't ever meet anyone who had one, which was such a shame. No, I, to be honest, again, this is another reference for the kids, isn't it? Um, I think they were probably pretty shit. They were just yeah. like a big tank that hit a wall, flip over and come back again. It's just because it was built very big and quite strong. That's what made it cool. Yeah, maybe like so. Bigfoot, do you remember Bigfoot, the big American trucks they used to have with the giant wheels? Yeah. And... Um, yeah, they crush all the other cars, and the adverts made them look so much better than they actually were. Makes me a bit happier about not having them on Christmas Day, and not you know, I was upset at the time, but maybe now, maybe it was a lucky escape, right? Now you can be like the forty-year-old virgin and sort of just buy them when they're they're still boxed in and pristine mm. condition. There's actually there's a a shop not too far from where I live. Uh, big shout out to the Retro by Ronnie guys; that they, they are lovely. But they've got what was an old bank including the vault downstairs, and it is just full of stuff from the 70s and 80s and mint-conditioned toys for grown-up men, many, uh, men to go and spend fortunes on it. So it's like 
mint condition 18 figures, mint condition uh, ET BMXs. So you can go out and go, oh, oh, oh. but it's like 18 figures, 700 quid. No, no. But someone will pay that, won't they? Like yeah. nostalgia is a very powerful emotion. And if you, if there are people there with a bit of spare cash, which, you know, some people have even in yeah. a cost of living crisis, they will get that money for them. And, you know, and it's mean, an investment apparently. You know, because the the value of them goes up and up and up. But it just makes me sad. There's all these toys that have never been played with. They've never reached their destiny. Yeah. Oh, that is so it's like Toy Story and Woody. You know, he's mint condition, no adventures. Oh, no. Now you've made me sad about it. Thanks. <laughs> Gee, thanks. Thank you very much for that. Appreciate it. So you were celebrating. Now you're struggling with yeah. feeling sad about toys not being played with. I guess the problem of, of starting Christmas this early is also, as you say, with Pester Power, with the kids, they will find something that they absolutely want and they cannot live without. Yeah. And then by the end of November, they'll have gone, oh, no, that was a terrible idea. I want something different instead. Oh, yeah. If you've awesome. already gone and bought it. <laughs> yeah, kids are flaky, man. They are. Yeah, we should always remember that. <laughs> Don't go out and buy anything until the very last minute. And I'm sorry to retailers who yeah. really want an early sale because, yeah. you know, they need to get that. But kids are flaky. I, we, we'll be there. We'll be buying them, just maybe not until a week or two before Christmas, once they've finally settled on what they actually really want. Yeah, I think uh, when I became a, a teenager, um, it did, did take a little bit of their thing away. But my dad used to give us cash and then take us out to the Boxingdale sales for the, the big out-of-town thing. So if I ever wanted a, uh, like a stereo system, mm. so there was absolutely no point in buying it in the run-up to Christmas, actually, because you know you're going to save 200 quid by waiting 24 hours. So we had less to unwrap on the day, which, again, took me a little bit of the magic away, but it made sound commercial sense. And that is what Christmas is about, is sound commercial sense. <laughs> That's the very meaning of Christmas. The... Oh, oh, that what, makes me sound oh, awful, doesn't it? Balthazar, what have you brought the baby Jesus? Well, I was going to bring him some gold, but in a couple of days, the gold sale will be on, and we might be able to get some cheap frankincense and some myrrh as well. As so. opposed to going through the Black Friday sales, <laughs> buying a shed load of gold and realising you only wear silver. Exactly. Or buying the gold that was uh, half price, but then you realise it was only double the price for 10 minutes back in July or something. That's it. And it was from Gerald Vatner. There's <laughs> another reference for the kids, isn't it? Oh, if you don't know the Gerald Ratner story, please, people, do go and look at that. It's, you know, it, it's an amazing story. And there was a fascinating um, podcast, Cautionary Tales, which is one of my favourite podcasts. Absolutely brilliant. They did a, an episode about Gerald Ratner. And actually, it was quite sympathetic to Ratner in the end. But um, essentially, the story is that he, he stood up in front of a load of uh, business leaders and went, oh, the stuff we sell is crap. And then journalists were there and went, this sounds like a good story. And he basically <laughs> tanked his family's company based on a silly joke that he made. Yeah, and there were Ratners up and down the high street, weren't they? It's everywhere you get your cheap earrings or tacky gold rings and stuff. Or imagine how many families have started with the, you know, the bloke going in to buy the engagement ring from Ratners. Yeah, that's it. And he destroyed it within 10 seconds with a stupid <laughs> joke. 
<laughs> all that history. Yeah, all of those stories. Oh, my goodness. But it did save the world, hopefully, from a lot less meatheads wearing sovereigns. Maybe. So, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, one way or another, you know, is he a hero? Is he a villain? Who knows? <laughs> Um, but you know what I'm struggling with? I'm struggling with something related to Christmas, and that is one particular Christmas advert at the moment. It's the Asda Christmas ad- uh, advert. I don't know if you've seen it. I've not. Go on. Tell me uh, more. It's uh, <laughs> You'll be able to guess who stars in it when you hear that their tagline is, have an, in- an incredible Christmas. Oh, my word. It's one of the worst taglines there has ever, ever been. Absolutely terrible. So they've paid all of this money to get Michael Bublé to be in their Christmas advert. And one, the advert's really not good. And yeah. two, their tagline, an incredible Christmas. No. That's just wrong. Because there was a, a sort of theme going on for the last few years where Christmas adverts were getting more uh, socially conscious. Mm. So M&S, I think they had... Uh, it was Julie Waters, I think, did it, and she gave up her fee and funded a, a, a women's shelter uh, for victims of domestic violence, and they're all very sort of conscious and right on. And it seems to have completely slipped back now, and it's the the, the greed and the indulgence and stuff we've done over. Got rid of the goodwill now. Now it is back to our blatant commercialism. Well, so what we were talking about earlier, though, isn't it, is when the yeah. companies do, they jump on that for a bit and go, oh, we've done that now. We've done sustainability now. Let's go back to buy all of our pies. Um, <laughs> Nothing wrong with pies, just sovereigns. Okay. Or the, the initials with love and hate or, you know, mum or dad. We're probably offending at least three of our listeners. Oh, I'm sure. we've only got three. Hopefully, though, they're the younger ones that turned off when we were talking about <laughs> whatever. <laughs> old fashioned yeah, or the funds, or you know, any any kind of reference that they don't. We get. are cutting edge, aren't we? We yeah. are just zeitgeist. It makes this Buble chat seem pretty modern. <laughs> I can't stand Buble. Well, I mean, you know, many people love him, and I've I've told you that uh, he propositioned me once. Go on. Ooh. So I got Ooh. to interview Michael Buble um, for a radio station. And I was asking him about Christmas and I said, what's Christmas like at your house? And he started singing and asked me to sing along and I didn't know what song he was singing. And he went, oh, okay, it's really annoying. I'll sing one that you do know. And luckily enough, I have yep. the audio of this bit. So he oh. went for a song that we uh, we, we were both uh, we both knew and uh, this is what happened. Dreaming of a white Christmas. Christmas. You actually sound beautiful. I bet you if I showered with you, the, it would be amazing. We need acoustics in there. Good acoustics, yeah. Oh God! So there you go. You wanted to shower with Michael Bublé. Well, now he wanted to shower with me. See, that's the thing. It wasn't wow. me who instigated it. After seven years of knowing each other, I'm just finding this out now. That would have been part of my opening gambit. Hi, <laughs> I'm Jim. Back in the day, Bublé wanted to shower with me. How you doing? And he's not followed up. I'll be honest. This was. 12 or 13 years ago. Um, Are you disappointed? Yeah, but hopefully we'll ring eventually. He's been busy doing Asda adverts, hasn't he? So, Yeah, but still, he you know, he gave you a promise. I'm sure there's a legal argument here. Yes. That you could potentially sue for the emotional distress of that not coming up. Yes, that's what I'm going to do. I mean, once I've been sued by people that I've essentially slandered and... Libeled in this episode, 
then uh, then I'll get my solicitor to work on the uh, the buble job. See if we can either arrange the shower or at least a payout. How about that? Isn't that oh, thirteen years ago? That's an ideal thing for like Noel's house party. They just go around the house, pull back the shower curtains, and there's little Jim Coulson and Buble in the shower. If Noel wants to come back to the UK from his lovely life in New Zealand, apparently, yes. and uh, and do that, then I'm well up for that. I'm up for it. I, I think this is breaking news. You and Buble sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S. No, it's S-H-O-W-E-R-I-N-G. <laughs> <laughs> I really had to struggle with that. You did well. You did well. Um, yeah, not quite as catchy, but yeah, accurate though. That's the good part. You you are a hive, not only cutting edge political debate. You are sharing secrets of the stars. So this is a like a I don't know sinking news of the world scandal here. Yep, exactly. I'll be on to them. I'll be on to them. We're <laughs> going to take Bublé down. And with it, the incredible Blay Christmas. Oh, a little bit of me just dies. It's just... See, another thing I hate about Christmas, those poxy adverts. I'll tell you what I'm celebrating. My very fortunate where I live, we've got two wonderful picture houses. And they're not multiplexes. They are proper cinemas that have been there for a year. And I was up watching a film uh, during the week, and they had the... The, the Christmas runs of the, the films are going to show. So they're going to be showing A Wonderful Life, Die Hard, Gremlins, and as a Christmas Eve tradition, always go to the uh, cinema to see the Muppets ah. Christmas film. And that's quite beautiful. I've never seen A Wonderful Life on the big screen. Been 30 years since I saw Gremlins on the big screen. Yeah, but yeah, that's my, my Christmas moment. It's Christmas morning watching Muppets Christmas Carol, which is one of the greatest films ever. Okay, so there is some festive spirit in you after all. You have to dig. (laughs) You'll have to dig quite hard. What do they call it? I was going to say tracking. What's the word when they they keep hammering the the ground? Fracking. Fracking, yes. Frack for Christmas spirit. You'll have to frack Flanagan for festive fun. I think I read that once in a card in the phone box. <laughs> with a badly drawn, a badly drawn woman with big bosom. I used to collect those cards. Did you? Yeah. So this is uh, a reference point. So back in the days, before mobile phones, you used to have uh, call boxes that you'd go into, and there was always, um, how should I say, advertisements from ladies of the night. Mm. Um, and yeah, when we got to London and stuff like that, I used to collect them, and I think I've still got some. I don't know, was it was it the fact I was a fan of the typography, you know, the, the graphic design, or was it just you know drawings of ladies with big boobs that <laughs> I liked? I mean, you can direct the narrative now. You can tell us which one you you would like us to believe it was. Big boobies. Yes, of course. I think we all thought that anyway. <laughs> you weren't really going to fool Luscious anyway. Linda in Erotica Stell. <laughs> well, I think we should have some music. <laughs> <laughs> why? 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 God. What, what, what's on the hip parade uh, this week, Jim? 
Well, let's listen to uh, a man who came on to our Dadless Soul sessions a few weeks ago, and he was talking about um, using hip hop and using rap to kind of encourage children, empower them, and use their voices for for good and to come out of their shells and stuff. He's called Wilco Wilkes. He's from near where I live, right? And he's uh, he's a really he's a really good lad, right? He's a good yeah. lad, and uh, he's very talented as well. And this is a song that he did recently called "Trapped in My Mind." Like Sunderland after Peter Reed. My head's more masked than a carrot beating a sweet, but not like Benny from Abbott or Ulrika. I mean, veg. Like David Beckham against Argentina, I'm seeing red. I'm aware I'm slowly dying and I'm battling against my age. My internal animals crying and rattling against the cage. Overwhelmed and suffering, permanent sensory overload. I'm feeling about as useful as the stairs in the bungalow. Ripped in but drowning in choice. Sick of the sound of my voice. I swam in the sink and I went and sank in the overflow. The noise gets loud like a vociferous crowd, but I'm bound like a man with no hands. Tackling pistachios, audio hallucinations, crashes and clattering, beavers, sailors blowing past me, owing windows are shattering. 70 versions of me incessantly chattering. My confidence and competence have taken the battering, cause I'm trapped in my mind. I'm spending all of my time ruminating, contemplating, but finally I'm resigned to the fact that I find it difficult to unwind. So I simmer for a while before climbing back up the slide, because I'm trapped in my mind. I'm spending all of my time ruminating, contemplating, but finally I'm resigned to the fact that I find it impossible to unwind. So I just simmer for a minute before climbing back up the slide And tipping them in the bin Self-doubt is the demon that cripples you from within I'm a deer in the headlights A walking contradiction Frozen by fear, fixated in fantasy fiction I feel like a fraud and I'm holding myself back With a cynical sword Stealthily severing my sack Causing I water in pain But it's a chore to explain Cause I'm so bored of this game I'm disengaged and I'm mainly hearing nonsense and gibberish I'm nervous and skittish More illusion than human and more reptilian than British What's my identity? Who am I meant to be? Why am I placid when I've got so much intensity? I'm wondering if I even have opinions at all. I feel boring like I'm more of a drag than RuPaul. Like a jilted bride, I've lost all sense of sense. But I can see every side, so I just sit on the fence. Because I'm trapped in my mind, I'm spending all of my time ruminating, contemplating. But finally I'm resigned to the fact that I find it difficult to unwind. So I simmer for a while before climbing back up the slide. Because I'm trapped in my mind, I'm spending all of my time ruminating, Contemplating, but finally I'm resigned to the fact that I find it impossible to unwind. So I just simmer for a minute before climbing back up the slide. Because I'm trapped in my mind, I'm spending all of my time ruminating, contemplating, but finally I'm resigned to the fact that I find it difficult to unwind. So I just simmer for a while before climbing back up the slide because I'm trapped in my mind. I'm spending all of my time ruminating, contemplating, but finally I'm resigned to the fact that I find it impossible to unwind. So I simmer for a minute before climbing back up the slide. I was disappointed when I heard that, if I'm honest. Why is that? Because I thought, 
caught in a trap and I was going to thinking, in, you know, it's going to be a lot more Elvis. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Disappointing. Right. Yeah. It was a good track. Let's, don't get me wrong. But, you know, had he, you know, invested a bit more in Elvis Aaron Presley references. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll put it on a note. We'll send it to him. Thanks for appearing on the Dad of Soul Sessions, which you can also listen to as a podcast as well, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, it's our sister podcast, I guess, isn't it? Um, yeah. But, yeah, but we have some notes. Do more Elvis. Do more Elvis. Again, the kids dig it. Yes. Uh-huh. It's uh-huh. one of the big things. They're, they're well known for their Elvis Presley love. My kids are <laughs> always going, please, please play In the Ghetto. <laughs> Which is a beautiful song. It's a beautiful song, yeah. It is. In the oh, and a, See, that's and a, a Christmas song, isn't it? Uh, cold, uh, yeah, it was like cold December morning, isn't it? So yeah, I yeah. guess it is a wintry, uh, a wintry song. Um, on a side note, I played "Doolittle" by the Pixies to my daughter the other day, and she said it was the least worst of the music that I like. So I think that is. <laughs> High praise indeed for the Pixies. <laughs> the least worse. Oh. How did that sit with you? I was like, well, I don't know, in a way I thought, okay, yeah, that's almost an admission that it was quite good. So I'll take that. I'm going to take that on behalf of the Pixies. Did she request a re rewind? No, 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 let's not go that far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we lost it yet again. Oh. Right, so interesting interviews. That's where we are up. So you've had Wilco. Mm-hmm. Who have you got coming up on the other Dad and Soul sessions? Jeremy Davies. I'm going to be talking ah. to him from the Fatherhood Institute. So that's going to be on the 7th of December. It's a Thursday night, and it's going to be from 8.30. There will be the Dad and Soul sessions. It will be on our YouTube channel, on Mixcloud, on Facebook, and on LinkedIn and on X, which is formerly known as Twitter, which is apparently what you have to say nowadays. And MySpace. And MySpace, Bebo, Bebo. And MSN Messenger. Yes, yeah. If you've got a GeoCities website, I can put it on that as well. Uh, can you fax me about it so I've got the details? I will, definitely. No. Um, but yeah, be quite interesting, shouldn't it? Because it's all about the their petition to increase uh, paternity leave, which is absolutely disgusting in this country compared to our European cousins. Yeah, it seems weird that we need to have like a petition for that, but uh, we do. And so the Fatherhood Institute are sort of leading the way with that. So we'll be talking about that and other stuff that the, the Fatherhood Institute uh, sort of do as well. Um, that sounds really grown up, doesn't it? It just it sounds grown up. It sounds like we're going to have someone who knows what they're talking about on yep. the Dadla Soul sessions, which has happened a couple of times and frightens me, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Every guest we've ever had knows what they're talking about. They just don't have a fucking Scooby-Doo what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. That is a difference. But it kind of tends to work. It kind of, it comes together eventually, right? With the beauty of editing. Mm, absolutely, yeah. So that's who we're going to be talking to in December, and then uh, there'll be another one in January, as yet unworked out who that's going to be just yet, but I have. But I know they'll be sexy, appealing, and glorious, whoever mm. they might be. Yeah, they'll be D, desirable. They'll be I. (laughs) (gasps) Oh, another reference there for the kids. Yes. Now I've got to try and work out in my head the rest of that song. Thanks for that, because I've got nothing else to do in my bloody time. I can tell you what O is. O, 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 O. (laughs) She is disco. We should have just played that, shouldn't we? And then I would... No, because I'm going to finish this 
and then go back and do some work and then listen to those buddy songs. So thanks again. Public service announcement for Funky 70s tracks that you may or may not have forgotten, but now can become horrible earworms. Yeah. Yeah, you won't get it. It'll be stuck in your head till Christmas. We That's nearly, I suppose, the end of another great episode, isn't it? I think it is. The, the end is near. The end is near. So we always try and end with the joke. Mm-hmm. Have you got one prepared? Because I yes. haven't. I have. Yes. Go, go. Warm it up, warm it up, warm it up, Kane. My friend quit his job. And now he started a company with a lion and a witch through a wardrobe. Do you know what they do? Go on. Narnia business. <laughs> Again, for any theatres that are missing anybody for their pantos, Jim is available. Oh, no, no. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> if they pay you and yes. they're not like escape to the country that just want you to perform all over the Christmas season for one pence. Exactly. National disgrace. <laughs> National disgrace. I'll accept offers of 10 pence and upwards. <laughs> Which I will be taking 20% of. Yes, of course. Yeah, okay, fine. Seems reasonable. So this has been the Dadler Soul Extra Time Show. I've been Dan Flanagan. He's been Jim Coulson sometimes. Also yeah. the prop buyer for... Films on Mad Rapists, and uh, we've been Confused Parents. So it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. Confused. Goodbye. (laughs) 